Good morning. So um, today's reading is from chapter 13 of John. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had to put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped around uh, his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, You shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. The Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. When he had finished washing their feet, he had put on his clothes and returned to this place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, John. John's a Wakefield warrior. Right. Uh, welcome, everybody. My name's Matt. I work with the teenagers here at Grace. Welcome, everybody who's streaming online. Um, welcoming you to a Home for the Holidays series as we look ahead to the fun-tivities of our holiday gatherings. We're going <laughs> to buckle in and prepare ourselves. Um, so fun fact about me, my very first visit to the D.C. metro area was about 12 years ago for a holiday a Thanksgiving, more specifically, party. Robin's sister was renting an English basement apartment in Columbia Heights. And for four days, seven of us gathered in that space. And uh, after day one, it felt like 14 of us. After day two, it felt like 1,400 of us. Like the walls were just closing in. Actually, it was, an, it was a great little apartment, except for one minor s- flaw slash major flaw. And it's this. There was one bathroom, and it was right off the kitchen. When I mean right off the kitchen, I mean sink, stove, bathroom door, refrigerator, <laughs> dining table. At that time, I was just getting to know Robin's family. They were just getting to know me. Uh, And I think for three or four years after that holiday, they were convinced that I had some strange obsession with Target. Yeah. Say, Robin, man, Matt loves that Target. Goes there like two times a day at least. I would sneak over and say, hey, Robin, I got to go to Target, okay? She says, I would get get so frustrated with her. I'd just say, Robin, I'm going to Target. She would call out, hey, does anybody need anything from Target? Matt's going back to Target. (laughs) Like... Supposed to be on the down, supposed to be on the down low, Robin. Uh, but anyways, the holidays, oh my goodness, the holidays and the opportunities they bring to gather and be uncomfortable <laughs> and enjoy each other's company. Um, man, it certainly feels like the holidays, doesn't it? That temperature is cold out there. 
my goodness, the temperature dropped. It's after Halloween. I actually thought for sure we were going to be singing a Christmas song this morning. Then I realized Knuckles is a Grinch. <laughs> Knuckles is definitely the staff Grinch. You don't know that. Pastor John, he's the staff dad slash grandpa. Okay, just kidding. Knuckles is, Knuckles is not a Grinch. <laughs> Play some Christmas songs, man. Okay, uh, lest I lose my job. Let's, uh, let's get down to business, okay? We had this reading just a moment ago, um, and the very last part of that reading, two verses, Jesus is speaking, verses 14 and 15 from John chapter 13. Jesus says this, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And essentially what Jesus is saying to his disciples who were gathered around this holiday table for the Last Supper, what he is saying to them is this, I need, I need who you are going to be in the future at this table to reflect who I am reminding you that you are around this table. Jesus is saying it's very important. You're going to go, I'm going to leave and depart from you. You're going to be on your own and, and you're going to be at tables like this all the time. And I need who you are going to be at this table, at this holiday gathering to reflect who I am, what I'm reminding you about yourself at this table. See, Jesus went through this intense foot washing reminder exercise with his disciples because actually based on how this holiday dinner was going, it became very clear that Jesus' disciples had forgotten that they were part, actually a very important part of this plan Jesus had to start a movement that could and should bless the entire world. Up to this point, the dinner Jesus was having, this last supper with his disciples around this table, it was a disaster. Luke's account of the dinner tells us that these guys spent a good chunk of time arguing about who was greater, trying to establish a pecking order, posturing themselves as superiors, posturing themselves as top dogs and kings, posturing themselves with puffed out chests, working to see how each one around the table fit into some kind of man-made totem pole of godliness. Mark's account of this dinner tells us that another good chunk of time was spent by the men pointing fingers at each other. A little blame, glam, blame game action going on, each operating out of almost equal levels of self-delusion around the table, which can be very problematic if you've had holidays with people who are deluded. <laughs> How many conversations around holidays have, are something along the lines of, who does he think he is? Who does she think she is? Or uh, more directly, who do you think you are? Around this holiday table. It's problematic when we're delusional and we're finger pointing and it's the posture we assume. But that's what Jesus' disciples were doing. Jesus just, had just informed them that one of them was about to make a very, very big mistake. And all of them immediately jumped to, well, certainly not gonna be me, the delusion. And then, and then the finger pointing starts, well, if it's not going to be me, I don't know. It's 
going to be somebody else around this table. And this dinner is just a disaster between all the, the posturing of themselves as superior, arguing about who is greater, all the self-delusion, all of the finger pointing. And Jesus says, this is a problem. This is a problem because my plan is to bless the world through you. But if you posture yourselves at these future tables in the same way that you have been posturing yourselves around this table, not only will you fail to be a blessing to the world, but you will in fact end up being this incredible curse to the world. So Jesus calls a timeout. And it actually makes me think of my first year teaching in DC public schools because there were many a day when kids come rolling into class and it's a disaster and I'm calling timeout, okay? And sometimes I call timeout more graciously than others, if you know what I mean. But there were kids, they would come in and it was just a mess. And sometimes I would just lose it and I'm embarrassed to say, I would yell and I'd say, hey, everybody, get in your seats, Sit down. It's time to learn. And I would yell. Actually, I did that quite a bit until after one of those mornings, they come in and it was a massive, total disaster. And I start yelling at the kids and I say, sit down. And I'm getting all frustrated. And they actually do end up sitting down and getting settled in. And, and then one of my students in the, in the back row raises his hand after it all settled in. So I call him. His name was Michael Newman. I said, Michael, yes. He said, uh, he said Mr. Komar, you know, sometimes when you get mad, you look like the Pink Hulk. <laughs> so I stopped doing that. Okay. But I remember one morning very specifically, I had to call a timeout because kids were coming in and it was like nobody was on the same page about what we were trying to accomplish in the room. One of my students came in and she was mad about something. Something had set her off. But I greeted her anyway. She responded not so graciously, in a much less polite way than I'm about to say, but she said, what are you looking at? And then she went off to her desk, but she didn't sit in her desk. She went and sat underneath her desk and just sat there. And then a couple, couple other kids came in and then, uh, and then actually old Michael came back in and his twin brother Marco was in the class. Marco had got there before him. Michael goes up to Marco's desk and with both arms just takes everything off of Mike, Marco's desk. And Marco gets up and starts chasing Michael around the room. And then, and then the next student comes in, her name's Daje, God bless her. But she came in with a brand new pair of shoes. She comes in and says, what's up, Mr. Komar? How do you like my new kicks? And she does this spin and this performance and then, she actually doesn't even wait for me to respond because she doesn't care about my response. She knows that her new shoes are great, right? She needs to go on and ask other people. So she's spinning around in a room asking people how they think about her new shoes. Michael and Marco, they're chasing each other around. Carmelita, she's under the desk. And I'm like, oh my goodness. We are not on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish. Time out. And that time, instead of yelling, I said, hey, okay, listen, everybody up, back out in the hall. Everybody up, line up, come on, on the lockers. Let's take a deep breath. And we're gonna come back in and we're gonna try again. But we're gonna come back in together on the same page about our big goal and about what we're trying to accomplish. 
And there is so much about the accounts of the Last Supper, Jesus around the table with his disciples, that lead us to believe that that is almost exactly what is going on here. It's a total disaster. Everybody's posturing themselves very poorly. So much so that, that Jesus says, time out. We have to get this straight. Because if the way you're posturing yourselves here, become, it becomes the way you posture yourselves here, problems. So Jesus had to do a lesson on posture at the dinner table, which we all know is so fun. Talking about posture at the dinner table. Oh, man. Jesus is having his last supper with these guys. These guys who he has chosen to carry out his mission once he's gone. Jesus is coming up on his final several hours with these men, and he has to take drastic measures at this point. He has one final shot to leave these guys with a picture of who he is, a shot to burn into their minds a picture of who he is and how he approaches humanity. So he gets down on a knee to wash their feet. He gets down on a knee to wash their feet. And this is very obvious. And this is, this is a story that many, if you've been in, in church your life, you've heard this story over and over and over again. But I want to say it one more time because I feel like it just makes it perfect. And this is actually such a sublime, powerful, profound moment for me that Jesus gets down on a knee here. And, this, and I think this is so profound. And sometimes we sell this moment short. Sometimes, sometimes we chalk this moment up to... Uh, it's a, it's a simple moment of Jesus is the, the, the leader. The leader is modeling humility. Or we, or we chalk it up to the, the leader is showing us how to be servants. But what Jesus is doing here is actually so much bigger than behavior. Jesus getting down on a knee is so much bigger than a simple, hey, see what I'm doing? Do the same, like, this is how you should act. This is a profound moment because Jesus is reminding humanity and specifically his disciples what God's posture toward them has been since day one. This is like a full circle moment. This is like a, the very first image humanity has ever had of me ever had of me was with me on a knee. And the very last image you guys will have at me at this table is me down on a knee. It's full circle. And so if you have a picture of who I am, if there's one image of me in your mind, this is what it needs to be. Because there's gonna be lots of pictures of who I am to you in your mind. Pictures of me as judge, pictures of me as king, pictures of me as, as this and that and the other. But the picture I need you to have in your mind of who I am and how I approach you and how I pursue you is me down on a knee. We go back to the creation account in Genesis. Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, who created them. And it says this, God blessed them. God blessed them. God said the, the very first thing God did when he met mankind face to face was he blessed them. And the Hebrew word for blessed is the word barak, which actually means the, very literally a bent knee. 
a bent knee, and it gives us this picture of God greeting humanity for the very first time. Where? Down on a knee. From first to last, this is how God has postured himself toward his creation. Right here. On a knee. And we forget this. And it causes us trouble that this is how God approaches us. And this is how God postures himself toward us. On a knee. And I know I can only take this so far. I can only stretch this so much, but... We know God's ultimate aim and his ultimate goal is relationship with us, that we might enjoy him and know him and, 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 and as, as he knows us. And when I think of someone down on a knee pursuing a relationship, I think proposal. And so this picture I have of God in my head, and I just, and I think this is the exact picture that Jesus wanted us to remember is this is who he is, and he's down on a knee before humanity proposing. And it always has been, this is always who God has been. From the first moment he met mankind, I'm proposing a relationship. I'm down on a knee before you created ones. And I want you to enjoy me and know me, and I want us to be in relationship together forever. It's why we were made. Jesus takes this opportunity at the Last Supper, at the dinner, to remind his disciples of that because it is so important that they are not confused about that. In fact, you can argue that the entire story of God as he is related to man can be summed up with this. God gets down on a knee to propose a relationship to mankind. Mankind looks and says, actually, Thank you for the offer, but I'm going to see what over here has to offer. I know it's been my story. God on a knee before me proposing relationship, and I'm saying, I'm actually going to go this way, and I'll check you later. And I know it's ridiculous. I'm going to do it anyways just because it's memorable. But right, but we can think about God's reaction to this. And he's proposing relationship on a knee, blessing mankind and mankind's rejecting him and going their own way. And you know what God does? I mean, what, I mean any normal guy, he gets rejected. He's going to say, fine, whatever. Take the ring, chuck it. Go find somebody else. Not God. God does this in my head. I know this is just in my head. It's crazy Komar imagination. But I just... Feel free, to, free, feel free to laugh at this. I don't care. But I just picture God scooting along the ground like this on his knee in this continual posture of proposal. And no matter how far I go, no matter how far I walk away from him in rejection of him, he's just following me like this. And it's ridiculous. But God being ridiculous in his love for us is exactly who he is. And it's who he always has been. It's the story of the whole Bible. It's ridiculous that an old Jewish man would tear off his robe and run in his underwear to greet his son coming home. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that Jesus would hang on a cross out of love for us, naked and abused. I'm not sure exactly the picture you have of God in your head. But if it's something other than him on a knee waiting for a response from you, I'd like to challenge that. 
This is the picture Jesus wants us to have of him. And Jesus knows that if this is how we understand him, it's going to shape the way we understand ourselves. That's how I understand, if that's how I understand Jesus when I come to this table, it's going to shape how I see myself when I come to this table. And we're looking ahead to the holidays and we're looking ahead to all the people going to be gathered around this table and all the potential drama and all the potential things you want to say to, you know, everybody's there and all the things they want to say to you. What would it look like for us to approach this entire holiday season, this table and all those around it on a bent knee? What would that look like? I mean, it can, it can mean very practical things. But what I want to challenge you to do is in advance of these holidays, take time to just actually imagine the gathering and imagine yourself in the room in some capacity, on a knee, posturing yourself toward all others gathered in the same way Christ did for us. We've been talking so much about this table of celebration, this communion table, the Last Supper, and we'd be crazy not to just stop and actually participate in communion. And so while we're going to... ultimately end the best part of our service with baptism. Uh, right now, what we want to do is we want to we stop and we do want to participate in communion. And so if you're here and you're going to volunteer and you're going to help pass the elements, please go ahead back and start grabbing the plates. And listen, here's what I want to just ask you to think about while the elements are being passed. And if you're following online, you know, go ahead and take a minute to to grab juice, grab bread, and you can take communion with us. And as the plates are passed and you get the juice and you get the cracker, go ahead and just hold it. And and when everyone has received it, we'll take it together. But while while the elements are being passed, I just want to challenge you to consider a few things. First and foremost, you might spend a minute considering your response to God. Who is down on a knee proposing a relationship with you? Or you might spend a minute thinking ahead to the holiday tables in your near future and what it might look like for you to approach that table and the people around it with a bent knee. Or even just on a very simple but beautiful level, just think about Thanksgiving coming up and take this time of reflection as a time to just be grateful. Reading from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 17. After taking the cup, Jesus gave thanks, said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take the bread. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
God, we're thankful first and foremost for your sacrifice, for accomplishing something for us that we could never accomplish on our own. God, thank you for this morning and a chance to celebrate, a chance to look ahead at the holidays. God, you have incredible hopes and dreams for these holidays. God, there are things you want to accomplish in us and through us through this holiday season. God, will you help us have the best holiday season ever? And when we return from our holidays, God, maybe be more full of life than ever before. God, we thank you so much for this morning and, and those who are about to be baptized. Thank you for the way you've revealed yourself to them, the way that they've recognized your posture toward them and have responded in faith. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.